Chapter 2 The Mercenary Maynard walked the outlands, through the crumbling highways and dust, under forgotten roads, through thickets and wild paths Maynard walked. Feet aching in rugged leather boots and soiled cloak flapping in the stark breeze, he ran fingers through unkempt auburn hair. Traveling from Balton, under dilapidated buildings, overgrown and cracked parking lots and dusty plains, he watched the horizon for Darsk, a town of life and hope. Hope of fortune, safety, and rest. After pillaging and smuggling laden with goods from Balton, he stepped amongst the ruins alone, save for the occasional rodent or stray dog. There was a time when the silence might have felt eerie, but Maynard had grown accustomed to the quiet. In tough times such as these, silence, or the lack thereof, could tell a man much, particularly a man wary and laden with goods. Few made the trip between towns, but for those like Maynard, fortuitous and determined, the rewards exceeded the risk. More than determination or the lucrative incentive, the broad sword across Maynard's back provided insurance on his journey. The ominous blade perturbed any threat. In the night, small outlets provided shelter during sleep and afforded a fire on occasion. He had watched the stray cats ever ready at the slightest stirring from their sleep, and he emulated them inasmuch as a man could, always wary of approaching dangers in the night. By day, his eyes, nose, and ears protected him, muscles eager to draw his sword at any threat. On this day, gray ruins of lost roads and forgotten buildings decayed under the cloudy skies. The eastern wind, a harbinger of more than just skeletons of long-fallen edifices. From among the stones, dried weeds, and concrete ruins emerged the outlaws, their stench of sweat and old blood in the air. Maynard drew his blade, the sharpened steel ringing as he unsheathed it, half as wide as the length of his forearm, and almost as long as he was tall. That sword's almost as big as you, one man said, perhaps the leader, bug eyes searching him, leathered lips cracking to form a sour-toothed grin. He was one of the five before Maynard, eleven counting the other six ready to attack from behind. Too big for you, I think, for any man, really. Had Maynard been unawares, they might have robbed him without preamble. They knew that he sensed them, and in their desperation, they came out, surrounding him, hoping that perhaps their numbers could intimidate him into turning over his possessions. I'm best left alone, Maynard said, hands wrapped around the hilt of his unusually large sword, anticipating the coming threat. It wouldn't be a fair fight. You don't get a fair fight, the bug-eyed man said. You get robbed. The end. You misunderstand me, Maynard replied. It wouldn't be fair to you. You're all talk, the man said. He would have been right had Maynard been anyone else. Then enough talk, Maynard said. Let me pass or get on with it. 
Their circle began to constrict. Too impatient to coordinate with his comrades, one outlaw charged Maynard's sword swaying in his hands as he rushed at him. Through blade and flesh and bone, Maynard's sword sunk into the man from shoulder to ribcage. The man fell, no sound other than the trickle of his blood and maimed body thudding to the ground. The rest came at once, twisting and ducking Maynard slashed. Two chipped and rusted swords came at him, their owner's bellies opened before they could near him. He dodged a descending club, his blade slicing through the wielder's head before the bludgeon reached the ground. More than the initial eleven attack mobbing him, blood flew into the sky and testants fell from his victims as he blocked and dodged. Death and sweat surrounded him, their attack unceasing. A jab took him in the back as he shoved his sword behind him, meeting bone and flesh. Bringing it back around, he felled three other opponents. He continued to swing, his speed and precision rousing agonized cries, yet they continued to close around him, more than he could defend against, if he could only fight his way through. But the circle thickened. He blocked axe and sword, cudgel and dagger, but soon he would miss and their weapons would find him. Then the sound of the fight changed, new cries of terror arising from the outskirts. The circle broke and he maneuvered to the side, slashing his way from the outlaws. Chaos reigned as a newcomer, a large bald man fought barehanded, undaunted by blade or bludgeon. One dared to fight the big man, his head dashed against the broken asphalt after. Another nearby screamed, cradling the stump where his arm had been. Away from the gruesome sight, another man, in all black, fought, sword moving with swift and fatal grace. The woman nearby slung a chain at her victims as a dog-like creature defended her muzzle at the throat of one attacker. Within moments, the dead lay at their feet, and as the shock of battle died, weariness took Maynard. He leaned upon his bloody sword, his adrenaline fading, each bruise and wound coming to life. Those who had aided him stood nearby, and he watched them warily, though he had no energy to defend himself if they meant him harm. The man dressed in black, tall and thin, but broad of shoulder and commanding, spoke first, his voice deep and punctuated. That's quite a sword. Even a man as tall and muscled as you should have difficulty wielding it. Who are you? Maynard asked between labored breaths. Call me Jacob, he said. My companions are Amelia and Cain. Amelia stood in robes, pale skin and dark features, eyes fixed on Jacob as he spoke. The creature that had fought alongside her had vanished like a magician's coin, but his memory of the part dog, part lizard, part dead thing would not fade. Cain stood even taller than Jacob, muscles exposed under a thin shirt, curving, ambiguous tattoos interlacing around his copper-colored shoulders. I am Maynard, and I owe you my gratitude. What reward would they demand? A strong name, Jacob said. May I ask where you got such a sword? After the war, there weren't any guns, so my family took on smithing. And you took up the family trade? No. 
My older brother took up the trade. I'm a mercenary, a warrior who does what's needed if the price is right. My father said I was the swiftest and strongest born in generations and that I was worthy of it. Well, Jacob said, we could use a sword like that and someone who can wield it. These were clearly formidable people. Amelia may have appeared young, but the agelessness in her keen eyes said different. Moments ago, Cain had menacingly butchered a dozen men with his bare hands, but now he stood collected, almost charming. His eyes were older and wiser than the rest of him appeared. Jacob must have observed his trepidation. We've been tracking these outlaws for days with little success. He motioned at the carnage before them. You made quick work with a dozen before we had to step in. That kind of skill is rare. And if I hadn't been so skilled, would you have let them kill me? You wouldn't have been the first, replied Jacob. But you fought well, and now I'm asking you to do so for me. There's great opportunity in this for you. He meant it. Maynard could tell that much. Sounds dangerous, Maynard said. You took a dozen of them. What are you worried about? Fourteen, actually. You flatter, but it's a tempting offer. What's in it for me? What do you want? Money? Glory? Fame? I can give you those things. This will be the greatest event in 200 years, and those closest to my cabal will be greatly rewarded according to their desires. You have heard of the seven? Stories for women and holy men, Maynard replied, though he knew little of them. The stories are true, Amelia said offended. They speak of an age of immortals and would-be gods. The war is far from over. You are headed west, Jacob said. Give up your journey to Darsk. Follow us north to Goli. Seldom do your spices and goods reach beyond the swamp to the coast. They will fetch more there. I have plenty of gold myself and will pay you. From there, we will hire a ship to the northern island. Who are you that I should go with you across the sea to the desert lands? There is nothing there. I am Jacob, one of the seven. So are Cain and Amelia and a fourth who awaits us. On the northern island, there is more than desert. Beyond the waste, is the ring of mountains guarding an uncursed land. There is this city. You take me for a fool, Maynard asked. That's not even in the wives' tales. Come now, Jacob said. You ask who I am, but I'll tell you who you are. You don't look a day over thirty, but you're going on fifty. Your father was well-preserved, too, and his father only recently passed. Your family lives unnaturally long. There are explanations to that, 
Perhaps 200 years ago, one of the fallen healed one of your ancestors and it gave long life to your family. They say it happened every so often. Maybe you're the descendant of one of our bastards. But look at you, Maynard. Your father did not give you that sword as some sort of birthright or reward for being a warrior. Your mother died during childbirth, and he sent you away with that as soon as his conscience allowed it. You've been an opportunist ever since, and I find that a worthy trait. Forget these small towns. You'll never rise to greatness there. One day, that will end for you, and I doubt it will be in the comfort of your own bed. No longer live as the wandering tradesman. Come with me. I have a plan. We will take this city, and when the war is over, you will have peace and power. You may not be immortal like us, but you are the closest thing, and that makes you more than a mercenary. Listen, Maynard, I would make you a ruler. This man knew much, too much perhaps, but he didn't know everything. Maynard took a breath, the air putrid. He had stopped leaning on his sword and eyed it, the dried blood crusting along the blade. In Darsk, he might find money, decent ale, and a woman to warm his bed. If he followed the stranger into the swamplands, into the flea-infested coastal town of Gully, they would sail to the desert. Was this what it would take to get ahead in life? Was there glory on that distant island? Could he trust this man? I'll come with you as far as the coast, Maynard said. I pledge nothing further. That's good enough, Jacob replied. You will come to see that I speak true. Let us turn north and be rid of this stench.